0: Welcome to The Covenant Podcast. The Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. I am one of your hosts, Austin McCormick, and in this conversation, I will be narrating a work titled The Holy Spirit in Christian Education by another one of our co-hosts, Dewey Dovell. Our brother Dewey would have narrated this uh, work himself except he was busy today with some uh, life busyness, so he has given me permission to narrate this work that he uh, originally wrote. And once again, it's titled, The Holy Spirit in Christian Education. Well, I hope that it is profitable to you as you listen to Dewey's work. From the earliest days of civilization to the 21st century... Human beings have demonstrated an insatiable curiosity about the world in which they inhabit. Philosophers, scientists, and theologians often posit competing explanations regarding the ultimate nature of reality. Ordinary citizens in the public square regularly assert truth claims and spend countless hours debating the validity thereof. When considered holistically the yearning for knowledge appears to be transcribed upon the DNA of mankind. Consequently, the curiosity embedded into human cognition has fueled formal education pursuits around the globe for millennia. Such pursuits have entailed no shortage of questions or spilled ink concerning preferred approaches to education. While it is impossible to speak to every conceivable methodology, A common denominator in contemporary educational contexts is materialistic anthropocentrism. Man is the centerpiece within these educational philosophies, anthropocentrism, resulting in a rejection of any immaterial or transcendent entities, materialism. Given materialism's pervasive influence on the realm of secular academia, one should not be surprised to see human beings at the crux of its educational philosophies. Yet, for the contexts that self-identify as Christian, the philosophical underpinnings of education are fundamentally antithetical to non-Christian counterparts. Whereas the a priori conviction of secular academic institutions is to divorce gods from the pedagogical endeavor— Christian academic institutions are unashamed to solidify educational philosophies around the triune God. Stated differently, secular educational philosophies are the product of the Spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Christian educational philosophies are the product of the Holy Spirit who is truth itself. For the remainder of this work, The author, Dewey Dovel, will propose a philosophy of Christian education featuring at least three core distinctives. First, Christian education must be shaped by divine revelation. Second, Christian education must be shaped by the lordship of Jesus Christ. And third, Christian education must be shaped by holiness of living. Scripture appropriates the mediation of divine self-disclosure, the glorification of Jesus, and the sanctification of Christians to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the bulk of the aforementioned principles, as further developed below, will be incorporated into any God-glorifying and Spirit-shaped pedagogy. First, consider Christian education must be shaped by divine revelation. Christian education must be shaped by divine revelation. In conjunction with curiosity, one could rightly observe that presuppositional is another architectonic descriptor of the human race. There is never a moment in man's creaturely existence that his interpretation of reality is not directly shaped by an aggregate of known or unknown presuppositions. One of the most central presuppositions embraced by Christians is that the triune God has plainly revealed himself in nature and in Scripture. Cornelius Van Til helpfully and thoroughly expounds this in his work, The Defense of the Faith. Listen to this quote by Cornelius Van Til. God has never left himself without a witness to men. He witnessed to them through every fact of the universe from the beginning of time. No rational creature can escape this witness. It is the witness of the triune God whose face is before men everywhere and all the time. Even the lost and the hereafter cannot escape the revelation of God. God made man a rational, moral creature. He will always be that. As such, he is confronted with God. He is addressed by God. He exists in the relationship of covenant transaction. He is a covenant being. To not know God, man would have to destroy himself. He cannot do this. There is no non-being into which man can slip in in order to escape God's face and voice. The mountains will not cover him. Hades will not hide him. Nothing can prevent his being confronted with him with whom we have to do. Whenever man sees himself, he sees himself confronted with God. Whatever may happen, whatever sin may bring about, whatever havoc it may occasion, it cannot destroy man's knowledge of God and his sense of responsibility to God. End quote from Cornelius Van Til. Insofar as Van Til's argument is cogent, A philosophy of education cannot be classified as Christian apart from seeing itself as exhaustively shaped by divine revelation. Whether studying math, science, history, language arts, or the Bible, every truth disclosed in every subject taught is a truth that God has solidified in creation a philosophy of Christian education understands that God has graciously allowed his image bearers to acquire knowledge of the world by the Holy Spirit's gracious work. Accurate discernment of spiritual truth depends on the Holy Spirit's work of regenerating grace, and the ability to rightly apprehend natural truth depends on the Holy Spirit's work of common grace. Thus, Christian educators must recognize their absolute dependence upon the Holy Spirit to teach students the truths that God has unveiled in general and special revelation. Secondly, Christian education must be shaped by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Christian education must be shaped by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Every genuinely Christian philosophy of education must be shaped by the lordship of Jesus Christ because Christ himself is the telos of divine revelation. When considering Jesus' relationship to general revelation against the backdrop of his divine nature, one can rightly affirm that general revelation has showcased the glory of God the Son from the moment of creation ex nihilo when considering Jesus' relationship to general revelation against the backdrop of his post-resurrected, ascended, and glorified human nature, one can rightly testify that Jesus of Nazareth rules over the entirety of general revelation as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the words of Abraham Kuyper, there is not a square inch in the whole of creation over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine! Additionally, Jesus enjoys a unique relationship to special revelation as the incarnate Word of God. When considering special revelation against the backdrop of Jesus' divine nature, one can rightly note that he co-equally decreed every detail ever to be penned in sacred scripture along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. When considering special revelation against the backdrop of Jesus' first and second advents, one discovers that the Old and New Testaments ultimately point to him. Ergo, the inspired words penned by the human authors principally function as the Holy Spirit's witness to Christ's person, work, and instruction. In a world where confusion abounds about the character and will of Christ— Praise be to God that we possess an inerrant and unchanging portrait of Jesus in his word. A Christian's reverence for special revelation is nurtured as a result of apprehending the Holy Spirit's direct involvement in Scripture's authorship, and the ensuring byproduct is surrendering to the one that special revelation chiefly reveals, the Lord Jesus Christ. As the people of God surrender to Christ's lordship over general and special revelation, they will inevitably begin to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In so much as such a practice is concretized in Christian educational settings, God will be glorified as students learn to interpret reality as their creator would have them to do. Third and finally, Christian education must be shaped by holiness of living. Christian education must be shaped by holiness of living. Education will always feature the process of acquiring knowledge and the development of critical reasoning skills. This is true regardless of one's geographical, historical, religious, or social context. However, a Christian education is not merely the dispersing of new information from reader to student. Christian education is not solely embodied by learning about truths entrenched within the created order or connecting every iota in reality to the lordship of Jesus Christ. While a Christian education will certainly be distinguished by each of the antecedent elements, education is not repeatedly Christian, unless growth in holiness is stressed to the same degree as growth in knowledge. This duality is passionately conveyed by A.W. Pink in his work of the Holy Spirit. So listen to this quote by A.W. Pink. Knowledge puffeth up, that is, a notional, theoretical, intellectual knowledge that is merely received from men or books in a natural way. But that spiritual knowledge which comes from God reveals to a man his empty conceits, his ignorance, and worthlessness, and abases him. The teaching of the Spirit reveals our sinfulness and vileness, our lack of conformity to Christ, our unholiness, and makes a man little in his own eyes. The light of God shows how far, far short we come to the standard holy writ reveals and stirs us unto holy endeavors to lay aside every hindering weight and run with patience the race set before us. Here, then, is a sure test. Does increasing light lead to a more tender conscience, more Christ-like character and conduct? If not, it is in vain and spiritually worthless. End quote from A.W. Pink. Although diametrically opposed at the presuppositional level, secular and Christian contexts of learning will mirror one another by presenting students with manifold opportunities to grow in knowledge. Even so, it would be a great tragedy if the only differentiating factor between secular education and Christian education were differing ideological convictions. Even the demons can espouse orthodoxy, and it is oxymoronic to call an institution Christian if there is no discernible contrast of belief and lifestyle from secular institutions. Whether an administrator, student, or teacher, all believers are called to be renewed in true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness over the duration of their spiritual pilgrimage." by the gracious enablement of the Holy Spirit may all bona fide Christian educational contexts likewise be oriented to such an end. Soli Deo Gloria. Well, this ends our narration by Dewey Doval, entitled the Holy Spirit in Christian education. If you have found this useful, uh, perhaps you can encourage our brother by letting him know, uh, As I narrated this work, I was unable to mention all of the citations uh, that Dewey has in this written work, so I'll be sure to link to uh, his citations in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Covenant Podcast. Stay tuned and tune back in next week, Lord willing, where you will hear more theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. Grace and peace to you. God bless.